This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, visit www.librivox.org. Childhood by Leo Tolstoy, Chapter Twelve, Grisha. We all felt a little uneasy in the thick darkness, so we pressed close to one another and said nothing. Before long, Grisha arrived with his soft tread, carrying in one hand his staff, and in the other a tallow candle, set in a brass candlestick. We scarcely ventured to breathe. Our Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Mother of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, he kept repeating, with the different intonations and abbreviations which gradually become peculiar to persons who are accustomed to pronounce the words with great frequency. Still praying, he placed his staff in a corner and looked at the bed, after which he began to undress. Unfastening his old black girdle, he slowly divested himself of his torn natkeen kaftan and deposited it carefully on the back of a chair. His face had now lost its usual disquietude and idiocy. On the contrary, it had in it something restful, thoughtful, and even grand, while all his movements were deliberate and intelligent. Next he laid down quietly in his shirt on the bed, made the sign of the cross toward every side of him, and adjusted his chains beneath his shirt, an operation which, as we could see from his face, occasioned him considerable pain. Then he sat up again, looked gravely at his ragged shirt, and rising and taking the candle, lifted the ladder toward the shrine where the images of the saints stood. That done, he made the sign of the cross again, and turned the candle upside down when it went out with a hissing noise. Through the window which overlooked the wood, the moon, nearly full, was shining in such a way that one side of the tall white figure of the idiot stood out in the pale silvery moonlight, while the other side was lost in the dark shadow that covered the floor, walls, and ceiling. In the courtyard the watchman was tapping at intervals upon his brass alarm plate. For a while Grisha stood silent before the images, and, with his large hands pressed to his breast and his head bent forward, gave occasional sighs. Then with difficulty he knelt down and began to pray. At first he repeated some well-known prayers, and only accented a word here and there. Next he repeated these same prayers, but louder and with increased accentuation. Lastly, he repeated them again, and with even greater emphasis, as well as with an evident effort to pronounce them in the old Slavonic church dialect. Though disconnected, his prayers were very touching. He prayed for all of his benefactors, so he called every one who had received him hospitably, with among them Mama and ourselves. Next, he prayed for himself, and besought God to forgive him his sins, at the same time repeating, God forgive also my enemies. And then moaning with the effort, he rose from his knees, only to fall to the floor again and repeat his phrases afresh. At last he regained his feet, despite the weight of the chains, which rattled loudly whenever they struck the floor. Voloda pinched me rudely in the leg, but I took no notice of that, except that I involuntarily touched the place with my hand as I observed with a feeling of childish astonishment, pity, and respect the words and gestures of Grisha, 
Instead of the laughter and amusement which I had expected on entering the storeroom, I felt my heart beating and overcome. Grisha continued for some time in this state of religious ecstasy as he improvised prayers and repeated again and yet again, Lord, have mercy upon me. Each time that he said, Pardon me, Lord, and teach me to do what thou wouldst have done, he pronounced the words with added earnestness and emphasis, as though he expected an immediate answer to his petition, and then fell to sobbing and moaning once more. Finally he went down on his knees again, folded his arms upon his breast, and remained silent. I ventured to put my head round the door, holding my breath as I did so, but Grisha still made no movement except for the heavy sighs which heaved his breast. In the moonlight I could see a tear glistening on the white patch of his blind eye. "'Yes, thy will be done!' he exclaimed suddenly, with an expression which I cannot describe, as, prostrating himself with his forehead on the floor, he fell to sobbing like a child. Much sand has run out since then. Many recollections of the past have faded from my memory or become blurred and indistinct visions, and poor Grisha himself has long since reached the end of his pilgrimage. But the impression which he produced upon me and the feeling which he aroused in my breast will never leave my mind. O oh, truly Christian Grisha, your faith was so strong that you could feel the actual presence of God, your love so great that the words fell of themselves from your lips. You had no reason to prove them, for you did so with your earnest praises of His Majesty as you fell on the ground, speechless and in tears. Nevertheless, the sense of awe with which I had listened to Grisha could not last forever. I had now satisfied my curiosity, and, being cramped with sitting in one position so long, desired to join in the tittering and fun which I could hear going on in the dark storeroom behind me. Someone took my hand and whispered, "'Whose hand is this?' Despite the darkness, I knew by the touch and the low voice in my ear that it was Katenka. I took her by the arm, but she withdrew it, and in doing so pushed a cane chair which was standing near. Grisha lifted his head, looked quietly about him, and muttering a prayer, rose and made the sign of the cross toward each of the four corners of the room. End of chapter 12